Naval Training Center is a big Navy town where green recruits are changed quickly into smart stepping companies of future shipmates. You've joined the Navy. And you're on your way to boot camp. What happens now? You march to chow. You march to class. You march to the barracks. And sometimes you march, well, just to be marching. It's your first day of a new way, the Navy way. It starts early and it runs late. Wonder what they're gonna feed us now. I don't know. The Navy settles for nothing less than top shape. Blood and urine tests, a TB skin test, and dental x-rays provide an inside look at how you're doing. Tradition is the word you'll hear over and over throughout your Navy career. Tradition is the bond that unites the proud achievements of our past with the challenges of our future and only one way of doing things. You guessed it, the Navy way. The punishment of death, or such other punishment as a court-martial may adjudge, may be inflicted on any person in the naval service. Before a man stands watch at sea, he has had plenty of training and experience in watch standing. Another thing, in the Navy, you'll be standing watch. The boot watch. At sea or lying to, 365 days a year, until the ship is decommissioned or until she dies. So you think boot watch is tough, huh? Well, you get aboard ship and have to stand six or eight or maybe ten hours at a time. Five minutes seems like an hour. Another thing. Keep an eye on the thermometer. Watch the weather. Are the sea bags all secured right? There are just a couple of things that I want to add. I say it again. Standing watch is a sacred duty. Don't ever let your shipmates down, sailor. Don't ever let them down. through your life in the Navy, both ashore and afloat, you'll be depending on your shipmates, and they on you. Will you be the guard or the lookout who spots the danger in time? And in the Navy, especially aboard ship, that habit of noticing things pays off. Yeah, your shipmates will know about you. We were just a bunch of land lovers in uniform out for a little stroll. This is episode eight of Longest War Podcast. Today, our guest is Benjamin Stahl. Ben, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So Ben is a veteran of the United States Navy. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, what did you do in the Navy? What was your rate? I was an interior communications electrician, first class petty officer, uh, but I was assigned to MCM's minesweeper. So I really, I served as the uh, LPO of the uh, electrical shop. I was a mine sweeping electrician. That was a lot of uh, letters there. What is what is MCM? What is LPO? PL? What I don't even know. Oh what you said. wow, LMNOP. <laughs> yeah. uh, MCM's mine countermeasures. So uh, those are the ships that have uh, a mine sweeping capability to uh, neutralize uh, nautical mines. How do um, they neutralize? By just blowing them up, right? Blow them up, or you know just cut them loose and, you know, uh, yeah, essentially, you know, make them, make them detonate. Uh, there's a couple different ways to do that, but uh, there's a, a myriad of different waterborne mines, if you can imagine. Oh, so yeah, so basically your job is just to go out and hit these mines. Yeah, well, the, the, the ship's the most basic essence, I suppose. They say everyone, every ship can be a minesweeper once, <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, so the minesweepers are made out of wood. So uh, for real, yeah, one of the last ships that are that are made out of wood in the Navy. They do that so magnetic mines. You could sail over a magnetic mine; it won't attach to your hull. 
So they have mines. Wood's not very strong, though, right? It's very strong. I mean, they didn't start making chips out of metal until, what, the the turn of the century? That's why I didn't join the Navy, man. That's Being on a a boat is bad enough. Being on a wooden boat, I don't know. I mean, like, what if there's a fire? You you never meet a a group of, I think the primary function of any sailor is, is in its most basic form, damage control and making sure the ship stays uh, seaworthy. So there's a lot of, uh, especially in, in the engineering department on the ship, a lot of effort and training goes into damage control, putting out fires, primary fire party, you know, auxiliary damage control. Just one big coffin, man. I don't know. Dude. It's a, it's I a could big... not have done it. No, nah, I could not have done the Navy. My grandpa warned me about the Navy. He oh, was yeah. in the Navy in World War II. My great-grandfather was in the Marines. When I was a kid, my grandpa was like, whatever you do, don't join the Marines or the Navy. <laughs> so really, Army was the only option. They just wanted you to look sharper than them in a uniform, man. And dress balloons are sharp. Well, it was the dirty, nasty greens when, <laughs> when I first joined, man. And it wasn't the cool, like, 1940s. It wasn't that thick, heavy wool green. It was, yeah. like, that polyester green. Yeah. Uh, I looked like a chump, dude. It was awful. <laughs> but they got the blues now. They are sharp looking. So, uh, Pittsburgh native, where'd you grow up? Uh, Swissville. Working class town um, on the east end of Pittsburgh. Mean streets. The mean streets of Swissville, the 15218. What'd you oh, do yeah. to get in trouble as a kid? Oh, man, I think I little kids from Swissville. I mean, there was Frick Parks right there, the Monongahela River, you know, some abandoned steel mills. So there's enough enough stuff to keep you in, in trouble, enough stuff to make you join the Navy when, you, yeah. when you're, uh, you know, across the, the age of 18 for sure. How were you in school? Did enough to get by. Yeah. As, as I meet more people and, you know, more, more veterans, I think a lot of guys just did what they had to do. Not, not really challenged, didn't have anything, you know, a fire that was burning in them. Uh, so I, I knew what was the, the minimum required to get by, and I squeaked by. Right. Did you know you wanted to join the Navy, or did the recruiters get you in high school? Recruiters didn't get me in high school. I, I went up and, and I volunteered after September 11th. How old were you at the time? Just turned 22. So you'd been out of school for a few years. Were you in college? What were you doing at the time? I went to CCAC for a semester or two. Wasn't really doing much. Was bartended in Swissville. So it was just the opportunity arose, and... Why the Navy? Taken by the mystique of it all, man. I mean, the, you have that vision of the you know the sailor kissing the kissing the girl in Times Square, man. It's just a yeah. uh, you know, it just it's it, a sexy job. It is, man. Someone's got to learn to tap dance and mop ships, and <laughs> you know. Did you? Uh, did you have any family that was in the military? Marines. Marines. Yeah. So like, uh, Navy. You meet them halfway, right? Like, Department of the Navy. They were you know kind of my uncle. Uh, it was the first time he saw me in my, my dress whites, he started uh, barking out something about my pants breaks, and <laughs> he was used to yelling at sailors, and I guess corpsmen out of Camp Lejeune, and so yeah, it was, you know, I think that's all, it meant a little more because it was coming from, you know, I knew it was coming from a loving place, right. coming from family. What'd your, uh, what'd your mom think when you told her you were joining the Navy? Oh, she was hysterical. I mean, yeah. that was right after, you know, the, the the rally around the flag. We're we're going to war. No one knew what was going on. And your son comes home and says, hey, by the way, I just I just signed up for the Navy, and I'm trying to get out of here as soon as possible. So, I mean, she was a little taken back. So you told her after the fact. Yeah. So it was too late. <laughs> yeah, I had, to, well, I, had to, I had to drop a lot of LBs to before I shipped out <laughs> the boot camp. So I had, to, I had to drop like 70 pounds before I could 70. ship out. Yeah, I had to get down to... I think like 187 and i walked into recruiter over 250 how'd you do would you just run every day 20 miles ran every day to ymca and wilmerding gave me a free uh, membership because i was trying to trim down to, to join the service and 
yeah, went down there one day with the recruiter. They let me go there every day for free, and yeah, just running around to you know, I made a, a a trail of my own through Swissville, cut down <laughs> uh, through the outskirts of Rankin, loop back up through Swissville. I'd run that a couple times a day. So when I you know, got to boot camp, it was it was easy. Breeze, I was huh? doing I was doing less. Yeah, especially in Navy boot camp. So let's talk about boot camp. Boot camp for the Navy. There's only one, only one place for boot camp, right? Great Lakes. Great Lakes. And uh, what time of the year did you go there? I went to Great Lakes in March, so it was very much cold. You hear people say you feel that cold in your bones, but that yeah. cold blowing off of that lake, whew, man, it's cold. Yeah, there's big ice chunks floating in that lake until like good, solid till the end of June, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's freezing, man. So how much swimming do you do in Navy, basic? You'd be shocked how many people get to the point in Navy boot camp where they fail swimming and get, I think they called it as mode, <laughs> sent back. Um, yeah, I mean, you swim a couple times, and then once you get out you know, to the, to the fleet, get out to your ship, there's different qualifications you could take. I mean, you can be second-class swim called. You have to be a better swimmer, so they second class swim call to be on any of the small boats, so any of the rigid hull inflatable boats to do any small boats ops, you have to have a higher swim call. And then there's different swim calls for like search and rescue swimmer. Then you're getting into, you know, guys do that for a little while, then they go want to be a diver and so it's progressive, a hierarchy of of swim calls. What's what's the basic like so as long as you can just float and not drown, you can get through basic? You got to jump off, you jump off a platform, and you have to swim the length. I think the length of a pool and back. Then you have to be able to, uh, you know, take off your coveralls, make a personal flotation device from your uniform, just in case. I mean, a lot of the uh, survival with survival with sea stuff is, you know, came from the the, the guys from the uh, USS Indianapolis when they went off went off radio comms, and you know, the I guess the, the Navy, for lack of a better phrase, forgot about them. Those guys, the, the sharks got them, right? Yeah. That's you know, there's a new movie with Nick Cage stars in it, so it's going to be quality. You know, that there's a, it's a fact that every time Nicolas Cage releases a movie that summer, there is a precipitous increase in the reports of people drowning. What? Yes. It's just a statistical is that anomaly. Your, is that your doctoral thesis? Is that what you're working on? No, but I found that while I was going down that road. There's like there's a, a, a research site where you could just find crazy circumstantial statistics and that's one of them that, that was presented to me. They're like, you know, and by the way, when Nick Cage releases a movie that summer, there's a significant increases in, in the uh, amount of people that drown. That's such a weird thing to like I'm sure there's no correlation. Or I'm no, sure there's, there's no causation. No, yeah, there's, there's uh, no, yeah. Maybe there is. I don't know. Nick Cage running around you know, <laughs> unlocking swimming gates. I hope not. <laughs> so I interviewed Marco, our buddy Marco, who was a CB a while back. And he was saying that there were, like, dudes that at Navy basic training that get there and, like, cannot swim. Like, oh, yeah. Can't swim two feet, but still join the Navy. Afraid of the water. <laughs> well, how do you, uh, what, what, I guess, what's the word? They, um retrain those people like how do they get them because i mean you got to jump off that platform it takes a at least a small amount of confidence right you people up there just refuse to do it yeah have to get pushed well I, I don't think they push anyone but uh there's certainly people that left my boot camp division because they couldn't swim i don't know if they ever made it out i <laughs> hope they're not still in great lakes man <laughs> try to figure out how to swim it'd be a bummer 15 years later I mean, you think there'd be a swim test before you get like accepted into the Navy? 
Christ. You would think, and you or you wouldn't join the Navy if you were right. afraid to swim. Right. But I That's guarantee mind blowing, man. Right now, there's a handful of people afraid to jump into a swimming pool at Great in Great Lakes, Illinois, right now. <laughs> That's like joining the army and being terrified of guns. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you think there'd be a screening process. All I'm saying. Yeah, and you know they they miss the, those people that, that you know they can't swim. They miss other stuff because they're having to, I think, re- remedial swim classes whenever we're <laughs> learning about, you know, Navy customs and, and traditions. They're- so when you're learning to wear bell bottoms and dance with a mop, those losers are still in the pool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to be able to dance like Danny Kay taking remedial <laughs> swim class. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you enjoyed your basic experience? In terms of from what I've heard from other people's basic experience, basic training in the Navy was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Were you active duty reserves? Yeah. Active duty. So you leave basic. Where's your Where'd you get stationed? Ingleside, Texas, on the uh, USS Gladiator after a bunch of schools up in Great Lakes. So I was a, you know, the electrician. So that's engineering school. So you go through engineering that that track up in uh, Great Lakes. It's on the other side of the street. So you go from boot camp at uh, Recruit Training Command, uh, Great Lakes, and if you're fortunate enough to stay there, you cross the street, and you're at Naval Training Center, Great Lakes. And I was there for only the better part of a year. Ooh. I had an you know, engineering core school, uh, electrical core school, common core school, and then uh, interior communications A school. Were you treated like a recruit that whole time? Initially. I mean, you still, for the first couple months, you still have to march around, and you're not allowed out on the weekends. Buffing and, floors. Oh, can't yeah. drink. Buffing can't. floors. That's, oh, man, yeah. They had a, they take, that's an art in the Navy. If you can buff a good floor, I mean, we had, we were out of uh, duty section Liberty because of, I was such a good floor buffer, man. <laughs> that's like, man, that's like the one skill in the military you learn that is absolutely useless. Oh, yeah. Like I could buff a floor better than anyone in this city, right? Like, but it doesn't. What is that? No one, no one buffs floors anymore. No one cares. That's why I get so upset when I walk through all these buildings and none of the floors are buffed. And no one knows how to do it. It infuriates me. <laughs> it's infuriating, dude. So if I walk into a building, right, and the floors are jacked up, and then like the first person I come across is wearing some scuffed up ass dress shoes, it just makes my head want to explode, man. He must be the guy responsible for buffing the floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ass clown can't do his shoes, much less the floors. Scuff shoes? Oh, that's one. Me and you have had that conversation a few times. How are you going to walk in here? As with, a veteran. With scuff shoes. A veteran shoes? of the military. Come in and you got jacked up ass shoes on. If you can't shine your shoes, I don't trust you to do anything correctly. Because that's like, that's day one, man. Day oh, one, yeah. drill sergeant wants to see those shoes shining like a mirror. <sighs> Sort of get worked up about it. Let's move on. <laughs> Jacked up core frames. Yeah. Let's talk about these shitty veterans. They were shitty soldiers. They were shitty sailors, and they're shitty veterans. You can't even shine your goddamn shoes. Can't even shine your waste of skin. What the drill sergeant used to call them. So, uh, to Texas. Where was it at? Ingleside. Is that that's on the Gulf? Ingletucky. Yeah. How'd you like that Gulf water? That's nice. It's brown, murky, full of hammerheads. Oh yeah, it was the they used the, the cabbage heads. I don't know what the the appropriate term for them, but the we used to get all these jellyfish that would come in down the jetties and come into you know Ingleside the bay, and it would we'd pull them up in the adductors. They'd be you know in our uh, 
all of our seawater strainers. It would be like jellyfish <laughs> massacre down there. There's lots of creatures in the Gulf that want to make your life miserable, man. Like, I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. How long were you there for before you deployed? First deployment over to the Northern Arabian Gulf was in 05. So they was, there was two minesweepers that were over in the Gulf. And when we ramped up um, over there, they went back to a, a rotational crew to kind of give a equitable distribution of the suck uh, to everyone that was in the minesweep fleet. So um, we were over there for six months, come back, uh, do some training, get all of your crew calls, and then it could be another you know six months you could be back, or it would be a year and you'd be back. But it was you know six month rotation. That's the the uh, schedule they're still on, and they heavy lifted over the ship that I was on, the USS Gladiator, um, and then we became MCM crew constant instead of just USS USS Gladiator, USS Dexterous Avenger. How how big of a ship is that? How many about a 75, 75 uh, males. It's not a, a split gender crew. Um, so there's 75, uh, 75 guys on the ship, about 7 to 10 chiefs, and about the same amount of officers and rest E6 and below. What kind of amenities did you have? What kind of, did you have a bowling alley? Did you have a movie oh, theater? No, no, no amenities. So nothing. We you had, had uh, water. We had a, a, a Coke machine on the mess decks. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. You guys all go you like... Uh, like gathered on the water cooler on the soda machine, and that's where they get the scu- phrase "scuttlebutt" from. Man, we would, yeah. Do you smoke cigarettes on these ships? Uh, on the ship, inside the ship? Oh no, no. You got to go up on the on fantail where the smoking lamp is lighted, wherever the captain says it's lighted. Oh man, underway it's on the fantail. In port it's on the pier. And so you'd be out for like a month straight at a time between like refitting or whatever. Yeah. Well, what is that? What is that like to be on a, a boat? 75 people tight even though it's uh it's only 75 dudes like you've only you've still got those weird like two square foot bunks you got to sleep in stuff, oh yeah right? the coffin racks yeah when i was when i first reported coffin racks? coffin racks yeah that's reassuring <laughs> yeah i was hot racking when i first got to the ship so it was a guy would work while i slept and then when i was done i'd go tap him and he'd get out and I'd, you know, that's not what i thought hot racking meant <laughs> that's what it means brother that's what it means <laughs> So you just share a bed. So there's like there's 40 beds on the boat for that's 75 dudes. There's 40 man berthing. Um, that's there's 40 racks and um, three high. What's the smell in that room like in the summertime? <sighs> I can't even put it into words. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're on like water hours. Yeah, 40 guys and you know with with some uh, lackluster ventilation. Definitely you know plenty of seasick folks too, right? No? You'd be surprised. I mean, some just like, you know, when we were talking about swimming, why would you enjoy the Navy if you knew you got seasick? But a lot of guys never knew that they were going to get seasick. Uh, I got seasick my, the first time that I ever got underway. Um, I was sick while we were in the jetties going out to the uh, Gulf of Mexico. And maybe an hour after that, I was, I was fine and I never got seasick again. We were in a lot of, you know, some, some high swells. Well, that's good. Dude, I've been seasick before. That's probably the most miserable feeling you could possibly ever have. Oh, yeah. It's the worst. You throw up and you think it's going to be better, but it's not. It's it doesn't worse. get better. We, uh, who, there was a guy, I can't remember if he was Vietnam or Korea era. It was a couple of weeks ago at a breakfast, and he said that he got seasick. Uh, it was like on the, the ride over, maybe it was World War II. It was like the ride over to Europe, which is like 
several weeks. Yeah. And uh, Todd asked him, was like, how did you, so how did you like handle that? He was like, they told me to eat my way through it. So he just had to stop his face. Oh my God. And do the thought of that, like. Eat your way through that. Eat your nausea. way through seasickness. God, it's like the Navy's just so gross, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. It's tight. It's smelly. <laughs> There's people puking. Oh, 40 guys in a bedroom. I could 40 deep. That's disgusting. 40 deep. I lived in 40-man birthing. So, like, when you get back to the shore after being on a boat for that tight, like, do you just feel like you've got too much room? Like, when you're sitting in, a, in an office or something, like, you feel, does it, do you get used to the crampness where, like, the open space is kind of weird? One thing, when we would get back from underways and you'd find yourself, like, alone back in a barracks room or something, it, it, was, it was awkward. Um, and even, you know, from even a longer underway and then driving away from the pier, like, oh, wow, I, I don't have anyone. Like, you're, you're cracking jokes thinking someone's going to chime in, and you realize, you're, whoa, man, there's no one. There's no one sitting with me. Holy shit, I'm by myself in a shower, and I've been in here for five minutes with hot water. Like, what is going on? You definitely realize it when you're, you know, it, it's noticeable. And even your, I mean, first couple of days, if you're underway for a while, you're, you're walking different, man. You still, you're walking with your sea legs. You got a bunch of guys walking like they just got off a horse or something yeah. down the pier. That's walking how you, know, you just redeployed because they're all walking crazy. Hey, you got back, yeah. <laughs> We're still walking with your sea legs. That's awesome. How did you get there? Like, do you take the ship from Texas to the Gulf, or do you fly over there and then meet a boat? Like, we flew over there and uh, been turned over. So they would send over like a, a flyaway team. They would send over you know uh, the XO or, or the, one of them, the XO or the captain, and we started turning over all the logs and. Uh, the material discrepancies, uh, the the jobs list, uh, and then the rest of the crew would come over and it'd be like a three-day, you know, formal turnover. And at the end of that week, that crew would be gone and we'd have the keys to the ship. First time we went over and took over a ship, we took uh, the USS Dexter's out of the shipyards. That was a logistical challenge because all these, you know, all this work was in progress um, and we kind of jumped in right at the end. Uh, and we were just tasked with, you know, they said, get that ship, get that ship out at sea. So there was a lot of you know, stuff that was wrong with the ship. You know, I remember I was, as soon as I got over there, I was sort of wiring up the, the helm console because, you know, the steering, steering wasn't working. So it's like, <laughs> hey, welcome to Bahrain. Get under there and start wiring up the helm. It doesn't work. So you'd only turn left? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just circle your way around everything? It was like they, they have uh, programmable logistical controllers on that. On They're smart ships now, so they're all electronic. But uh, the one PLC for the, the, the helm console, when it lost power, that zero-volt signal caused the rudders to, well, caused to go to a 10-bell. So when power was lost to that PLC, all engines that were, if you had the, you know, the engines on and the shafts engaged, and you lost power to that PLC. You were, you were flooring it. You were balls to the wall. So that was something that they. And that's concerning. So they had to go invert that signal. So it was, it, you know, turn into a fail safe. But that's all things they found out while, you know, underway, underway, engineering casualties, stuff so, like that. That man, that's crazy. It's like in the army in Afghanistan, right? You do a left seat, right seat. That takes like almost a month to get the other unit like prepped up. Like to do it in three or four days. With maintenance issues, oh, you're, you're you're working. You know, you're doing twenty-hour days, man. 
and you know when you get over there, your body so you're so wired man that you can't sleep yeah so i mean all you want to do is get over there and get to work so that's all we we did man coffee and copenhagen <laughs> so what do you do if you're hot racking it when it's your turn to sleep like if you just can't fall asleep then when it's your turn to sleep you fall asleep man that's yeah. one thing you you meet a sailor, you say, shut your eyes and go to sleep. That dude's not asleep in three seconds. He was never in the Navy, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you sleep when you get the opportunity to. What was the food like on the boats? Was it all right? Yeah. Not yeah, too bad? Yeah, I mean, yeah. A lot of powdered eggs and stuff? Not unless stores were getting low. So we, we had regular eggs. I get a lot of shit from that. From got my friends in the Army. That, you know, we had omelets. You guys had an omelet Omelets to oh, oh, man. Every morning you get an omelet. What did you do if the caviar ran low well, that's, and the cham- champagne? Would that be near mutiny? Well, it was the mutiny on the cane. Well, they, we, they're about the half a can of strawberries, man. That's a real story. People lose their minds. Did you guys ever get resupplied while you're out? Like, did helicopters come in and bring you stuff or other ships pull up? You, yeah, on other ships. You'd uh, unrep. You'd get uh, fuel in stores uh, underway. We'd get mail and, you know, parts, supplies, food. How yeah. often was that? It would depend on the underway schedule. So um, if you were really, you know, if we were out doing you know, maritime security, we had to be underway for, you know, two weeks. MCM, they didn't want to put into ship unnecessarily at risk if you let the fuel tanks get too low. So we would, you know, unrep, unrep when the fuel tanks got to around, you know, 45%. Takes a couple hours. It's, a, it's, a, it's quite an evolution. So, you know, the, a minesweeper is so small and you'd have like, you know, the, the USNS Rappahannock or something, this huge, you know, merchant marine ship. And they just give big black, you know, fuel oil hoses and shoot a line from one ship to the other, carry the, the line on, hook it up, start pumping fuel. And it's a constant sounding to make sure that the fuel tanks don't overflow. And when they do overflow, you coincidentally, the fuel runs in the 40-man berthing. Oh, Really? Man, uh, it, it, I was I was on the on a ship when when it started the overflow. Probably about maybe ten gallons of fuel overflowed. It, the, it called the tank burped. <laughs> so they're designing that like what's the like least consequential area of the ship? It's like ah, oh, we're all the we're all the enlisted sleep. Sure as hell ain't gonna be the officer quarters. Drain it down to pay <laughs> officer stalls rack. He wants to smell like JP five for a couple months. Is that like do they do that same thing like they uh, like if it's a big ship like they run a line and then, like, run mailbags and stuff down to you? Like, how did they get supplies? Uh, they would uh, small boat them over. So they would put them on a rib boat and just drive them over, and we'd bring them up the uh, Jacob's Ladder. So if you are out for, like, a month or so, like, how often would you get mail or anything like that? I mean, we'd get stores every every couple of days if it was, you know, we were out with, a like, a detachment, if we were out, you know, with a, a, a group. But uh, if we were just, you know, independent steaming, we get mad when we went back to port a couple weeks later. Did you ever have any like freakouts? Like dudes just lost their shit while they were on the boat, and you had to I don't I don't know what you do. You just chain them to something. No. You have anybody get real sick that like they had to evac? Like what do you do in those situations? We we got to get somebody off that ship. Well, and you're we, out in the middle of the ocean. Rib boat them to a uh, what's a, a, rib lo- boat? a rigid hull inflatable boat. This is a little oh, the boat. Navy SEAL boats. Yeah. Ah, we have them too. How far offshore are you? Oh, I mean, it would it would depend. But if we were with a you know a another group, then we would rib boat them to a platform that had you know the means to egress. If not, we'd ride it out with with Doc, HM1. 
That's just like a, a regular medic, right? Just like an enlisted guy. You Could say be. that's a medic to a Marine. Knife hand you. <laughs> Wish they would. Yeah. It's, medic, it's not like a surgeon. You don't got a surgeon on the boat. No, but to, to be the, uh, the only HM1, they're an independent duty corpsman. So I think they're more, more qualified than your, your run-of-the-mill medic. Though it's not like some you know, E1. No, they're, yeah, it's a, a E6 or a, a, a chief. So overall, did you enjoy your Navy, Navy experience? Oh, absolutely. What, what made you get out? How, well, how long? Well, how many years did you do? Um, about nine. Nine. Yeah. You halfway to retirement, man. My rate was locked up, and there was no way I wasn't making rank. Guys that you know were in other rates that you know, I was you know third classes with, second classes with. They were all make a chief, and I knew that my rate was either going away or was never going to open up for me to make chief. So I thought about cross rating over to electrician's mate. But then I you know, figured, why not just cross over and you know go the officer route? So my original plan was get out, get my bachelor's, and go back in, you know, as a O1E, you know, Mustang ensign. But while I was out, I had my daughter, and I couldn't imagine being out at sea for a couple months and coming back and oh hey, you, by the way, you missed you know first words, and I'm, Maggie's walking now. Right. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a it was a deal breaker. So you were an E6 when you got out. Yeah, E6. And what'd you do? What was what did you go back to school? What'd you? Yeah, go out and uh, used the GI Bill. Started going to Robert Morris. What'd you go for? History and government. Why that? I was a a lover of history, and you know, I saw myself being you know, long term, maybe something in to do with government, to do with you know people, and it just seemed to you know it was a degree to fit my interests. And and then you went to grad school for organizational leadership. Also yeah. at Robert Morris? Also at Robert Morris. And yeah. you were currently in your doctoral program. Also at Robert Morris. Also at Robert Morris. It's a threefer. With a, uh, getting your doctorate in underwater basket weaving? Nuclear basket weaving. Nuclear basket underwater weaving. Underwater nuclear basket weaving. All right, not to be confused with uh, <laughs> underwater electric basket weaving. They're two totally different subjects. What's your, uh, what, what is your actual doctorate going to be in? Uh, information Systems and Communications, a Doctorate of Science, DSC. And your thesis, that was called? No, what do you call it? Dissertation. dissertation. What is your dissertation on? The semantic function of tattoos as communications in the United States Navy. So basically, you're going to get down to the bottom of why so many sailors have nudie girls on their forearms. Yeah, and, and what that means within the <laughs> cultural confines of the Navy. It means the Navy's like prison. Get <laughs> shitty prison tattoos in the Navy. <laughs> you say that, but you know, there's, there's, but it's true. I know that's why I'm saying it. The literature will tell you that prisoners get tattoos to differentiate themselves from the institution in which they've become a part. But in the Navy, sailors to get tattoos huh? to assimilate. So it's this very, uh, you know, yin and yang reasons. It's it's quite. The contrary, but they, the one thing they do share is an affinity for getting shitty tattoos. Man, the last thing I'd ever want to do is assimilate further into the Navy. No offense, guys. There's <laughs> <laughs> a, a group of sailors in here. Yeah, I say that. I'm the only Army guy in this room of Navy dudes. So you are also the chief executive officer of Veterans Leadership Program of Western Pennsylvania. 
And what do you guys do over there? The uh, Veterans Leadership Program assists veterans in uh, Western Pennsylvania with housing, employment, and supportive services. Uh, we do that um, through a variety of different programs and funding streams. But you know, essentially, we're we're there to uh, be a safety net for veterans in Western PA, whether they're you know transitioning out of the service tomorrow or if they transition out of the service, you know, after Grenada. Uh, we're there to provide them support in a human human service capacity. What's the demographic breakdown for ERA that you serve over there? Is it, is it heavy post 9-11 or? We're in, increasing post 9-11. To, I'd say the plurality of the clients that we serve now are uh, post-Vietnam War. So not the Vietnam veterans, but the... Vietnam era. Viet, Post-Vietnam era. Yeah. So we're, we're seeing, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, uh, kind of encroaching into the first Gulf War. Uh, but... You know, as the World War II veterans continue to age, um, die off. Yeah, I didn't want to be so crass. Well, dude, look, they made it through World War II. They can take the the truth. All right. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're seeing you know uh, it, we're seeing an increase in in uh, the demand for service from post nine veterans, but it's not the it doesn't meet the it's not the same. So you got out because you had a family. You ever thought about going back in? As an officer, now that you're pretty much done with school? You know, recently that thought has crossed my mind because uh, the cyber component of the Navy is uh, growing and they need senior leadership for that. And the Navy is going to be direct commissioning to 06 those with a doctorate in information systems. Wow. A full bird. Yeah. That'd be I'd, boss, man. My, my daughter can walk and talk now. Get back on that track here. <laughs> Look at yeah. my side. They'll be fine. There's a lot of overseas duty stations for that. Oh, yeah. They got DOD schools there, right? I don't think you'd ever probably leave the Pentagon. You'd be in the Beltway for 10 years. All right. So I lied. That wasn't the last question. This is, what's with all the uniforms in the Navy? Like, I've seen, uh, you see several. There's, like, the white dress uniform. There's, like, the khaki dress uh -huh. uniform. There's the, the Donald Duck uniform. There's, like, uh, what appears to be coveralls. Then they have, like, camo that blends in with the water so if you fall in they can't find you you're they're never going to find you again. <laughs> right yeah so they they transit we used to have the johnny cashes it was the all black uniform with the the piss cutter and the, the tie <laughs> and then we had the the, yeah, uh, the tie you're talking about the sash no it was a, like a black, the red thing a, an actual black tie oh so those okay. are the johnny cashes then we had the ice cream men that was the <laughs> the uh the white short sleeve shirt and the, the white bell bottoms um then you had the dress blues and dress whites um, that's the, the Donald Duck and the, uh, the white Popeye with the blue neckerchief. Now they have, and they, we they look like fat Marines in those, <laughs> in those khaki uniforms. They pissed off a lot of chiefs that, you know, worked their whole career to put on khakis. That's the, cause khakis the, and all, like officers and chiefs get khakis, right? That's the line of demarcation. And now, cause those khakis are sharp, man. Hell yeah. But not on a, a fat E6. <laughs> you look like a look like a schlub, but and and, and that was the feedback. Said we don't want to wear these. We don't want to wear half of a marine uniform. Everyone liked the Johnny Cash and the ice cream man, but you know, now and then they have they got away from utilities and it's the you know those blue digital camis and blueberry ones, right? They're getting rid of those, and they're going to a green cami. And we yeah, what do you need camouflage for in the navy? Is corpsmen need it when corpsmen go with marines why don't they just give them marine uniforms and just leave the navy out of it they, the, the corpsmen do get marine uniforms right. and they put u.s navy on the name tapes and then you i mean you have cbs you got you know 
SWIC, EOD. I mean, there's contingents of the Navy that you know, require those uniforms. But Joe Schmuckatelli cleaning a head on a you know <laughs> USS Gladiator doesn't he need to do it tactically. <laughs> no, you don't need any tactical pockets. Get that shit out of your pockets. Get your hand out of your pockets. Oh, hands in the pockets is a no-no in the Navy as well. I think that's a the one or one common bond that unites all of the services. I've never seen a grown man lose his shit over such a trivial thing as like when you've got your hands in your particularly when it's like super cold outside and you put them in there just for a second just to hope that your fingertips regain some feeling yeah but you would act you would think it's the end of the world you some sergeant major some chief just loses their guy a chaplain mind. would jump in your shit for having your hands <laughs> in your pockets <laughs> be in tears like i don't want to get your hands out of your pockets first <sighs> yeah, navy sucks what do we say <laughs> so does the army though let's be real that's why we're out all right, uh, that's uh, thanks for joining us today, Ben. Oh, it's thank been a you, pleasure man. as always. Great to see you. Great to see you, bro. We'll have you back on again. Talk about. Oh, uh, I'd love it. I think we could go into a lot more detail about this uh, buffing the floor business and why oh. it's why it should be mandatory in American public schools. <laughs> I concur, one hundred percent. Mind warfare. Warfare where enemies seldom meet and battle is rarely joined. But where death and destruction always mark the field. Did you have to grow a mustache or was that optional? It's, it, was, it was a requirement to be a chief petty officer. <laughs> you had to have a mustache, a, a coffee soaker. Did you ever like stumble into the officer quarters or the officer's lounge on the ship? Eat all their donuts and no. Yeah, it's a table with a couple chairs. Just where they do meetings and stuff? Yeah. You go to a carrier and it's like they got their own ballrooms oh, and stuff, yeah. right? Bowling alleys. They got their oh, it's crazy. indoor ski slopes. <laughs> do you guys have guns on the ship with you? Yeah. The minesweeper? Did you ever like uh what kind of guns? Shotguns? 50 rifles? Uh, no, I mean like personal weapons. Oh no, you're not issued a you're not issued a weapon. No? No. Can't go like shoot skeet on the bow. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What's your daily alcohol ration? Thirty days at sea, you get two beers. Yeah, that's how I can say. Like the military is certainly like categorically worse now than it was during Vietnam. It's like those dudes had, look, man, they had hookers, they had booze, they had heroin, they had anything a deviant could possibly want. <laughs> man, now, oh, you barely have cigarettes, man. suckers i'll be seeing you and he will too unless you make safety a habit don't be a dilbert don't kill your friends